Thank you very much. That's great. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Wow, that's that is amazing. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you, Lord. Wow, well, it's great to be with you this morning. Ooh, wow, what a glorious time we've had already, haven't we, in the presence of the Lord? Oh, his presence just thick in this place. Thank you, Jesus. He was pouring out his love on us. Mm, Father, we just love you this morning, and we just are so grateful that you love us, that you love us so dearly that you poured out your spirit, you poured out your son's blood on the cross for us. Oh, what a great demonstration of your love. How could we ever doubt? We just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come now, that you would speak through this drain pipe, this vessel, Lord, this morning. Lord, would you pour out your glory? Would you pour out your word? Would you speak to our hearts? We cry out for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to be upon us this morning because we want to know you better. Would you teach us how to walk in greater intimacy, greater fellowship, closeness with you? Oh, God, we long for that. Would you reveal the secrets of how to do that today? Would you come, Spirit of God, and speak right into our hearts? We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Great. Well, just to, to start, um, that might just fall. I think I'll have to put that down. Um, I, yeah, I was so thrilled about that word that our sister brought about the love of God. Because I wanted to just start th- th- this message off with a, just reminding us again of what Mike Bickle teaches a lot on is the burning heart of God and how God's heart is burning. And you know, when people said to Jesus, what must we do to inherit eternal life? He said, look, what does the law say? Let's go back to Moses. But, but I want to tell you more about that, of the Shema, right? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Like, like, do you know what? That's like the essence of the kingdom. That's the very, the very heart of the kingdom of God. It's all about love. <laughs> Our God has this passionate, fiery heart. And he wants us to know that, that his kingdom is a kingdom of love. That God is love. He doesn't have love. He doesn't do love. He is love. His very being is love. And, and, and there's a volcanic fire in the heart of God that burns. How do I know? Well, John told us when he, when he said he saw Jesus, the Son of Man, and his eyes were like burning fire. Well, what does that mean? Well, the eyes are the window of the soul. That means his soul is filled with burning fire, and it's all for you. It's about you. This love is for you. <laughs> wow. And, and, and this invitation, the great commandment, it's actually the great invitation. Come and step in to the greatest love the world has ever known. Come. You can, you can step into the way that God loves. You see, God commands us to love him like that because that's how he loves us. Wow. And he's inviting us 
to come and, and step into this wholehearted love of God. Yeah, he, he, you know, he saved us, but it isn't to save us from hell. It's to save us for love. He created you because he didn't want to spend eternity without you. He wanted to live with you. His heart burns with fire for you. Yes, he has a missions com commission, the great commission. But that's, but that's only because he loves everybody and he wants everyone to, to come into this love. He wants everyone to know how dearly they're loved. This, the the, the five, five things I just want to remind us about, and the first one is that, that God is love. And that God loves God with the same love like, like God loves the Father with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength. And that's how Jesus loves the Father. That's how the Spirit and the Father and the Son, they live in this crazy love, this wholehearted love, right? Jesus was baptized and the Father rips heaven open. He says, this is my beloved Son, whom I love. You know, Jesus called him Abba, Father. I, I always live to please him, just as the Father has loved me. <laughs> yeah? number one number two number two is that the father son and holy spirit love us in the same way they love one another yeah jesus said just as the father has loved me so have i loved you so remain in that love wow i want to spend eternity getting my head around that don't you just as the father loves jesus he loves me and, and, and Jesus, Jesus said in John 17, he, he, said, he said, I want you to be one so that the world will know that the Father loves them as love, that the Father has sent me and that he has loved them even as he has loved me. How much does the Father love you? He loves you as much as he loves Jesus. I mean, that's what Jesus said. Wow. <laughs> and then the third thing, it takes God to love God. Well, how can we love God? Well, because God, in Romans 5, he says that God has poured out his love into our heart through the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. Oh, we can love God with the love that God has given us. Isn't that wonderful? So we can love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then the fourth thing, we, because God loves us so much, we can love ourselves. We can dismantle self-hatred. <laughs> yeah, and we can love ourselves because we are totally loved by God. And when we know we're totally loved by God, Jesus said the second command is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. And when we know we're totally loved and we receive that love, then we can love others. We can give that love away. I, I, remember, I remember being on the streets and, uh, and uh, it, it, it was just after lunch, we were at this prayer meeting and then we, we, we left with these red hearts and I asked my friend, Nick, do you want to go and tell people about Jesus with me? Do you have any time? She says, I have about an hour. I said, oh, great. Let's take these red hearts and give them away. So we're on the street. And, and I don't know if I told you this story. It's one of my favorites. But um, 
you know, these two guys walked by and I said, hi, have a red heart. I just want to remind you that you are totally loved by God. It's like, oh, wow, thank you, thank you. I'm like, oh, that feels good. Oh, yes. And, 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 and then this guy pulls up in his car at the red light. I knock, knocked on the window. I, he rolls it down. I said, hi, have a red heart. It's just to remind you that you are totally loved by God. Have a good day. It's green. Bye. <laughs> he drives off. And then, and then this girl comes walking up with her bike. I said, hi, I have a red heart for you. I just want to remind you that you are totally loved by God. And she said, what? I said, well, I don't know if you've heard lately, but God really, really loves you. And she said, I'm an atheist. I said, oh, so you haven't heard. Well, let me tell you. <laughs> There's a God in heaven, and he's crazy about you. He loves you with all his heart. She says, I don't agree with this. I said, agree with what? She said, how would you like me to stand on every street corner and shout out, there is no God, there is no God. I said, well, if your belief in that has filled you with so much joy, you can't contain it, and so much love that keeps overflowing, then by all means, go tell everybody. Go shout it out from every street corner, because that's how I feel. I've been loved by God, and I can't keep it to myself. <laughs> she says, well, all right then. And she, turned, and she walks off. So we sit down, and we start praying for her, and we said, oh, God, just get her good. Get her good. Drop a love bomb on her. Well, a few, a few minutes later, we're, we're sharing with, with a couple guys, and I feel a, a tap on my shoulder. I turn around, and there she is. I'm like, you've come back. She says, I know I had to come back. I said, why? She says, because I've never met anybody with, with passion like this before. Will you tell me what it is that you wanted to tell me? Because I want to know. Woo! Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the love of God. It's, it's just ir irresistible, Right? See, God loves us with all his heart. And, and this morning, he wanted to remind us of that, to tell us that he, his whole kingdom, it's all about love. Well, I, I, I've spent years up in Scotland training young people in something called fire starters, and we disciple them over a weekend once a month all year long, and then in the summer go on outreach. Well, um, I was getting really frustrated because they would get filled with the Spirit. They'd be repenting. They'd be, you know, loving Jesus and worshiping. Well, by the next month, they'd be like crawling back, having been in all kinds of sin, all kinds of mess, all kinds of discouragement, and they're just like crawl back, you know. And, and we just, you know, pray for them and bless them and teach them and, you know, break through and, you know. And, and then again, you know, and it was like God. What is it going to take to keep these young people on the highway of holiness? What is it going to take? And I felt the Lord say, what they need is my treasure. I said, what is it? He said, it's the fear of the Lord. They need the fear of the Lord. I'm like, whoa, okay. So I start studying the fear of the Lord, listening to John Bevere and, and, and Joy Dawson and, and uh, Derek Pratt. I'm just like studying. I'm looking at scriptures, pouring over it. What is the fear of the Lord? Raw! Okay, did I scare you? Okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't want to scare you. <laughs> Take authority over the spirits of fear. Get out in Jesus' name, right? Yeah, I used to have people run in and scare the life out of us, but that's not a good idea. Okay, so, but what is the fear of the Lord? It's not that. It's not that, okay? The fear of the Lord is 
Proverbs 8.13 says the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. It's the hatred of evil. What does that mean? It means it's seeing sin the way God sees sin. God hates sin. He loves us, but he hates sin because he knows what sin does to us, right? Pollutes us, separates us from him, uh, puts us in bondage, and the penalty ultimately is death. There's nothing in that that God could tolerate. Yeah, so he hates sin. And the fear of the Lord is coming into alignment with how he sees sin. Okay, it's like I go to the local, to the local farmer and I get a big, uh, uh, I, I drive a big truck in here and dump off a big lot of cow manure. What are you going to do? Are you going to go, oh, cow manure, I love this, and jump in and go, oh, man, man, this is so great, have some, oh, it's so great. No, you're going to go, ah, let's get out of here, Right? Because it stinks. Because it's cow manure. But, but you know what the devil does? Is he takes some of that cow manure and he wraps it up in a shiny wrapper. And he says, oh, here, have some of this. This is really good. You're really going to like this. This is going to satisfy. It doesn't matter what. No, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You know, just, you know, th- you, this, you need this. And we get deceived into thinking that that cow manure is good. Yeah? Because it looks good on the outside, but inside is death. And the fear of the Lord cuts right through and shows us that that is cow poo. It's death. It's cancerous. And so the fear of the Lord is loving what God loves and hating what God hates. The second thing the fear of the Lord is, is it's having a deep, oh, oh, I was going to, I was going to just remind you some of the promises of the fear of the Lord before I launched in, and I've launched in. (laughs) But did you know that Psalm 25 says the fear of the Lord is for those, uh, that friendship with the Lord is for those who fear him? Who wants to be a friend of God? Well, friendship with the Lord is for those who fear him. Who wants to know God's secrets? The secrets of the Lord are for those who fear him. Oh, oh those are all in Psalm 25. Those who, lack, those who fear the Lord lack no good thing. Oh, praise the Lord. How about... How about Proverbs 14, 26? In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. That means the fear of the Lord doesn't make you timid or weak, but the fear of the Lord gives you strength. And when you fear the Lord, you don't have to fear anything else. The fear of the Lord dismantles every other ungodly form of fear in our life. Hallelujah. Isn't that great? Proverbs 19.23, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, satisfied, untouched by trouble. Proverbs 14.27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a man from the snares of death. Proverbs 22.4, humility and the fear of the Lord 
bring wealth, honor, and life. Psalm 211 gives us a challenging picture of the fear of the Lord. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Wow, doesn't seem to make sense, does it, to our natural mind? Rejoice with trembling. <laughs> it's like fear and joy. But Acts 9.31 tells us, uh, Luke's description of the early church, the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, Samaria had peace and were edified, walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. They were multiplied. Wow. Wow. The fear of the Lord and encouragement in the Holy Spirit. Those two things go together. And when they're together, the church multiplied. Isn't that awesome? Who? A new secret for church growth. First Peter 1, 13 to 19 says, But just as he who called you is holy, be holy in all you do. Since you, uh, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. Wow, be holy in all you do. You see, that's the second, the second thing of the fear of the Lord is having a deep respect a reverence, and an awe, standing in awe of who God is. You see, as we grow in our revelation of him, we grow in our reverential fear of him because he's holy, because he's pure, because he's beautiful. As we come to understand his holiness, do you know Psalm 89.7 says, in the counsel of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. Psalm 33, 8 says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let the whole world revere him. Psalm, uh, Revelation 15, 4. Who will not fear you, O Lord? These are the saints that are around the throne that didn't, didn't give in to the beast, right? And they're worshiping God. And they're saying, who will not fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? That's what they're declaring at the throne of God. Who will not fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to you? Do you know the four living creatures that are around the throne day and night? They have, they have eyes everywhere, even under their wings. They have six wings, and they have eyes everywhere, even under their wings. And do you know what every, I mean, I can just imagine every vantage point, they have eyes, right? And they're around the throne. So they, they're constantly seeing God. They're seeing him. And do you know what? What they say? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth are filled with his glory. And when they declare this, the 24 elders fall down, casting their crowns down onto the ground and worship God who's on the throne. Do you know all of heaven is consumed with the beauty of God's holiness? They're just like, wow, he's holy. Oh, he's holy, holy, holy. Wow. Jesus shining in all his glory, 
his beauty. He shines brighter than the sun. There's no darkness in God. He's just radiant light. Wow. Isaiah saw him. He saw him in Isaiah 6, high and lifted up. And he heard the seraphs flying around saying, holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with the glory of the Lord. Wow. Do you know in Revelation 14, 7, that there is an angel who proclaims the gospel? He flies around the world preaching the gospel. I love that angel. (laughs) He's like my best friend. (laughs) Do you know what he says? He says, fear God and give him glory. That's what he's saying to the earth. Fear God and give him glory. Wow. See, God, God is the Holy Spirit, right? God's spirit is holy. Isn't it interesting? He isn't known as the good spirit. He's not known as the nice spirit or the loving spirit or the kind spirit. He's known as the Holy Spirit because that is the most important aspect of the character of God. Everything flows from the holiness of God. His power is holy. He only uses his power to demonstrate his holy love. In fact, what are judgments? They are to remove every obstacle to the love of God. That's why he expresses judgment. God is love and he is holy. So his power is holy, his love is holy, his wisdom is holy. Everything he does is holy and righteous. You see, that is the basis for our respect of God, is his holiness. That he is absolutely holy, righteous, and true. He will never do anything else. He cannot. Isn't that great? Doesn't that give you such confidence? We'd be foolish not to surrender our whole lives to this God. To totally submit our lives in reverence, in awe, in obedience to him. Wow. That's who he is. In Isaiah 11, you know, it shows us about Jesus, the spirit that was on Jesus. Did he have the fear of the Lord? <laughs> of course. It tells us about the spirit, the, the spirits that rested on him, right? In Isaiah 11, the spirit of wisdom, let's just see. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in what? In his power, in his wisdom, in his understanding, in his counsel? No. And his delight will be in the fear of the Lord. Wow. Jesus lived delighting in the fear of the Lord. Have you discovered that yet? Have you discovered the joy, the delight of the fear of the Lord? Jesus did. He lived in it. Isn't that exciting? That's why he said, I only, only ever do what pleases the Father. 
Oh, man. That's what we want to be able to say, isn't it? <laughs> wow. Well, Jesus walked in the fear of the Lord. Intimacy with God, John Arnott said. Intimacy with God without obedience is like prostitution. Ooh. Ooh. Well, we can think about that, hey? You see, Jesus told us what love to God looks like in John 14. John 14, verses 15, 21, and 23. He said, if you love me, you'll obey me. If you love me, you'll obey what I command. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. Wow. So it looks like here that love, that obedience is the expression of love to God. So what's obedience? Well, David said, I run in the path of your commands because you have set my heart free. Obedience, I, I, I grew, my kids grew up hearing me say, obedience, it's doing what you're told, when you're told, and with the right heart attitude. It's, it's you know, I could go to my, my, my daughter and say, honey, c c could you, could you um, stop what you're doing now and could you go clean your room? Oh, mom, can it wait? I'm just reading this book. I'm just in a really important part. I'm, Actually, honey, I, I need you to clean your room now. And for her to go, oh, I don't want to clean my room now. Do I have to? Okay, I'll clean my room. Stop off, slam the door, throw the things around, you know. You know, is that obedience? I don't think so. No, obedience is, is, oh, you want me to clean my room? Great, Mom, I'll go do it right now. And she goes and she cleans her room, and then she comes to me. She says, Mom, my room is spotless. Do you want to come see it? <laughs> and I see it. I'm like, oh, honey, I'm so blessed. Oh, you love me. <laughs> right? Oh, I feel so loved by you. Obedience, doing what you're told, when you're told, and with the right attitude. I remember meeting this guy who, uh, at, at one of our bases, and he's, I said, how are, you, how are you doing? He was on staff. He said, I'm having a rubbish day. I said, why? He said, well, they asked me to clean the attic. Do you know how messy that attic is? There's spider webs, and there's dust everywhere. And I'm like, I'm like oh, I'm so sorry you're not enjoying it, because Jesus loves cleaning attics. And he would have so much fun cleaning that with you. So, so it's, it, it, you know, James says when you know what's right to do and you don't do it, it's sin. It's not just doing the wrong thing. It's not doing the right thing. Oh, partial obedience is not obedience. Yeah, and we see that so clearly from Saul. Saul lost his kingdom because of partial obedience. He was told, remember, to totally destroy the Amalekites, right? Wipe them out completely. And, and, and in, in 1 Samuel 15, 22 and 23, and, and what happens? He doesn't do it. 
And, and oh, it's so wild because God sees this. And he says to Samuel, I'm grieved that I made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Do you know that our disobedience grieves God's heart? He said, I'm grieved. He hasn't. He's turned away from me. And he's done his own thing instead of my will. Wow, that's, that's a painful, that's a painful scripture verse, isn't it? Whoa. But then we see Samuel comes to him and he's like, Saul's like, oh, glory to God, I fulfilled the mission. He's like, what? Why do I hear the sheep mooing and the cows mooing or whatever they do? You know, what about those guys? He said, well, you know, we save the best of the sheep and, and the lambs to offer sacrifice to the Lord your God. The Lord your God, right? He wasn't walking in intimacy. He wasn't walking in obedience. And he said, he said, he said, what? <laughs> Stop. Let me tell you what the Lord said. And he, and he unfolds what God told him. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder? I did obey. I went on the Lord's mission. I, I saved, the soldiers saved the best things to offer sacrifice to your God. And he said, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is like the evil of idolatry. Worshiping your own idea. Wow. Rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. That's how God sees rebellion. And you know, I, I'm sorry. And for, forgive us young people in here. That, that you've been raised in a culture that loves rebellion. And, and the word obedience is, a, is like a bad word. Yeah, it makes people cringe. Oh, obedience. Oh, you know. Uh, and and that's, that's horrible because the Bible says rebellion. God sees it as witchcraft. He hates it. And... You know, there are people, Matthew 15, 8. You know, these people honor me with their lips, Jesus said, but their hearts are far from me. Oh, I love you, Lord. Yeah, I love you, Lord. But I'm going to do what I want. And rebellion is that. It's, it's doing what we want to do, not what God wants. And, uh, and I, I, you know, it's... When we, when we love God, we need to, to love him on his terms, right? We need to love him the way he wants to be loved. And the way he gets love is while we, when, we, when we simply obey. Simple obedience changes everything. <laughs> Simple obedience. That's what he wants. That's what fills the heart of God up. It's our simple, not hippie love. Oh, I love you, God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to smoke pot, and I'm going to sleep with my girlfriend, and I, but I love you, God, so much, you know? I mean, I know young people who live like that, who, 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 who do that. It's they live in this dual system, right, postmodernism. They can, dualistic. They can, they, can, they can, you know, 
live like the devil Monday to Saturday and then come to church on Sunday. Huh? And not just young people, anybody, anybody. <laughs> I don't want to pick on the young people, but, but I, see in, I see it in our, in our, in our culture that we have, we have loved rebellion. I, I, I was teaching on this up, at, up at, with these young people. And do you know, we had young people repenting of loving rebellion. They, they were repenting that night of loving rebellion and asking God to give them a love for obedience. Do you know, I got a call at the end of that next week after our kids went home on the Friday, and a father phoned me. He said, Connie, what have, what have you done to my kid? I said, well, I, I'm sorry, what do you mean? He said, I just had the principal, the headmaster on the phone saying, saying I've had two teachers come and tell me that your son has changed and he's doing so well and the, the teachers can't believe how, how obedient this, this kid is. And we're just wondering, we just wanted to tell you, whatever you're doing at home, keep doing it. He said, Connie, I haven't done anything at home. What did you do? I said, well, the, the word of the Lord came that we were to repent of loving rebellion and asking God to give us the fear of the Lord, that we would love righteousness and obedience. I think your son repented of rebellion last week. I had a staff member come back and said, Connie, I went to do the old same thing, but I didn't want to do it anymore. That old sin. Do you know, um, <clears throat> the problem with, with, with sin is, is um, it's like, uh, I mean, you, you, may, you, may, you may have this, this um, struggle, or maybe I will get to this later. Maybe I'll get to this later. So, so it's this, um, when I was studying this, John Bevere told a story about a guy named Jimmy Baker. Do you remember Jimmy Baker? Do you remember he was an evangelist 30 years ago? And I was preaching on the streets in London. I remember it very clearly. And, uh, and he tells this story uh, about Jimmy Baker because Jimmy Baker was a tele-evangelist. He preached the gospel all over the world. I know, because I was in the Philippines. People got saved through Jimmy Baker. I was in El Salvador. People got saved through Jimmy Baker. I, was, I mean, wherever I was, it seemed like people on the TV got saved through Jimmy Baker. He was like, whoa, Jimmy Baker. Yeah, I want to be like him, right? Well, he raised a lot of money to have a, theme, a Christian theme park. And do um, and you know what he did? He left his wife. He ran off with his secretary and took all the money, and he went to Hawaii. Well, the law caught up with him, and he ended up going to prison for seven years. While he was in prison, he read John Bevere's book, and he said, John, if you've written this book, will you come and see me in prison? John went to see him, and Jimmy said, John, this prison is not God's judgment. This prison is God's mercy. Because if... If, you know, without this, I would, have, I would have ended up in hell. He said, what? When did you stop loving God, Jimmy? When, when did you stop loving God? And Jimmy said, I never stopped loving God. I always loved God. He said, wait, wait, hold on. I don't understand this, John said. I don't understand. But you're in prison. You know, you, you took the money. You're sacred. What do you mean you didn't stop loving God? He said, no, I never stopped loving God but I realized I didn't fear him. He was not the Lord and master of my life. And I think the churches 
all over the world are filled with people who give God lip service on Sunday, but they live the way they want from Monday to Saturday. He says, I was like that. Philippians 2 says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There's, There's a verse in Isaiah 66 that says that the last chapter of Isaiah and and it says I'll just read it here Hmm. heaven is my throne the earth is my footstool where's the house you'll build for me where's my resting place has not my hand made all these things and so they came into being this is the one that I esteem who in here wants to be a person that God esteems This is the one I esteem. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and who trembles at my word. Humble, what does that mean? That means being known for who you are. Not trying to be more than you are or less than you are. But being real. Being who you are. What is is contrite? That means brokenness. It's like if you have a, a wild stallion who jumps higher, runs faster, goes further than any other horse. Are you going to take him to battle? No. Why not? Well, because he's wild. When the guns start firing and the cannons, he's off, right? He's like, I'm out of here, right? No, you wouldn't take him in because he has not yet been broken. God only uses what he first breaks. God loves a broken and a contrite heart. Brokenness before God. And finally, it's the one who trembles at my word. What does it mean to tremble at the word of God? It means to esteem important what God esteems important. <clears throat> and, and there's a lot in the Bible that I think we read over quickly. And we get used to it. We don't tremble at it. <laughs> right? Like the Sermon on the Mount. Like Jesus said, look, if you're, if you're, you know, if you're, you know, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I tell you, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. It's better to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Jesus said that in the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, he was using hyperbole. But he was trying to explain, look, sin is so dangerous. It's so, its it's desire is to take you to hell. That's its desire, right? Is to to hurt you, to hinder you, like cancer, to destroy you. Get rid of it. Be brutal with any sin in your life. Get rid of it. Because its desire is to have you. And, yeah, there's, you know, this, this Luke 14. Uh, well, maybe this is a, yeah. You know, what, what, what's your attitude to sin like? You know, there's, there's, there's different attitudes to sin. 
And some people don't sin because the consequences are too great. They don't want to go to prison. They'd love to murder their neighbor, but they're not going to because they don't want to go to prison. Right? Okay, that's, that's, that's very low. The next one is, you know, living by the golden rule. But we're full of self-righteousness, right? Our motivation is not to, not to sin is selfishness. We want to look righteous. We want to look good to other people. But we don't have a burden for the lost. We don't have a passion for the unreached, nor do we pray for them. We, there's no obedience to the Great Commission. We're full of self-complacency and self-indulgence. That's number two. Number three, and I would, I would imagine most of us are in this category, a sincere Christian who loves the Lord, doesn't want to sin, but finds in one or more areas this pattern. We're going along, and then we stumble into sin. And then we get convicted. And then we confess, and we humble ourselves, and we repent. And then we fall into that sin again. And then we, oh, no. And then we, we, we humble ourselves, and we confess it, and we repent, and we oh. Yeah, and we get so fed up, right? with this pattern of falling into the same trap of sin. And, and so, you know, we're, we're like, we're sick of confessing it. We're sick of doing it. We're sick. We just hate ourselves, right? So what the first thing to do is acknowledge, look, why have I sinned? I've sinned because it's my free will. I have chosen to do it. I, I, I've sinned. And then we have to ask the second thing. Why did I choose sin? Because the love for that sin is still in our heart. You may hate yourself for choosing it. You may hate yourself for doing it, whatever it is. But you don't hate the sin. You love the sin. And that's why you do it. That's why I do it. Because we love the sin. When God says, look, I hate the sin, you need the fear of the Lord so that you can hate that sin too because we only do what we love. Is that right? We do what we love. And so we have to ask God, forgive me, take the love for that sin out of my heart and replace it with the fear of the Lord. I want to hate it like you hate it. True repentance is, a, is and, and level four is those who fear the Lord and seldom sin. They hate sin, and so they seldom sin. Well, true repentance is, isn't just a change of mind, but it's a change of heart. Do you remember? Do you remember uh, Pharaoh? He changed his mind to, to Moses. Okay, you can go. You can go. And then, he, and then he turned back. No, 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 you can't go. Right? Because only his, 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 his mind was changed. And Moses said, you still do not have the fear of God. Our minds will always turn back to sin if our hearts are not changed. And we need God's hatred for that sin. The fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. So, so what, what do we do? Matthew 7. This is, this is a scary one. This makes me tremble. When Jesus said, you know, many will come to me on that day. And say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name do miracles? Oh, oh, I can't find it in here. Sorry, that was John. Mark, Matthew, 
5, Matthew 7. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Whoa. Then he goes on to say, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. And when the rains came and the storms blew, that house stood firm. You know that song we sing, to, our kids learn? Oh, the wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. Do you remember that? The wise man built his house upon the rock and the rains came tumbling down. That's, that's what he's talking about. He's like, whoa. If you, if you hear my word and you put it into practice, you are like that wise man who built his house on the rock and nothing will shake it. But the foolish man built, built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand and the rains came tumbling down. The rains came down and the floods came up and the house on the sand went splat, crash. And Jesus said, so great was that crash. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like that foolish man. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Solomon told the, told, wrote, wrote to his son, wisdom, right? Proverbs and then Ecclesiastes at the end of his life. He said, son, look. The last verse in, 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 in Ecclesiastes, because the whole thing is about, look, I tried this, I tried that. I, I built this, I, I built that. I, I investigated this. I, I tried everything. I had everything. I discovered everything. I enjoyed everything. And do you know what? I've discovered the key thing to life. You know, he says, what does he say? He says, now all has been heard. This is the end of the matter. This is the most important thing, son. Fear God. And obey his commands. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. You think, Connie, that's the Old Testament. I'm like, I know. But Paul said it as well. In 2 Corinthians 5, 5.10, he said, we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Each will receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or evil. Wow. And then he, Paul goes on to say, knowing the fear of the Lord, we, pers we persuade men. <laughs> knowing the fear of the Lord, we want to persuade people. Esther, did she fear the Lord? You know, the, Esther, because I, I was like, what, which, which of my Bible heroes have feared the Lord? Well, Esther, you know, the, 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 the orphan who was so beautiful, God gave her the gift of beauty in it, and she ended up becoming the queen of Persia at just a time when Haman wanted all the Jews to be annihilated. And so when, when, when Mordecai, her uncle, found out, and he's fasting in sackcloth and ashes and weeping before God, she says, oh, oh, no, this is terrible. Tell, tell, tell him there's nothing I can do. The king hasn't summoned me for 30 days. And it's against the law to go to him if he doesn't call, call me. I could, I could die if he doesn't put his scepter out. Well, Mordecai sends back this message. And he says, do you think that because you are in the king's house that you will escape? 
For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another quarter. But you and your entire family will perish. Who knows but that you have come into royal position for such a time as this. And the fear of God hit her. And she said, right, go, go tell him to gather the people to fast for three days, no food or drink. And I'll fast and with my maids. And when it's done, I'll go to the king, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Whoa, I love it. God used her to save her whole nation because she walked in the fear of the Lord. John Bevere told this crazy story. He was in, he was in, 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 in church and he was worshiping God. And God spoke loudly into his heart. He said, worship is not a slow song. He's like, what? You know, in, in our church, praise is fast song and worship is slow songs. And God said, worship is not a slow song. And he said, you know, when you get up in the morning and your wife says, honey, can you help me get the kids dressed for school? Oh, honey, I'd love to, but I'm so busy. I, I need to prepare some things for the office. Oh, honey, could you just drop the kids off at school on your way to work? Oh, honey, I wish I could, but I have to go in early this morning. And he gets home from work. Honey, honey, it's great you're home. Could, could, you, could you play with the kids while I make dinner? I wish I could. I just need to do some emails and make a few phone calls. Honey, do you think you could wash the dishes while I bathe the kids? Oh, honey, I'd love to, but you know, I've got this important piece of, 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 of email I have to get out before tomorrow. I'm sorry. Oh, it's bedtime. Oh, honey, I love you so much. Oh, you're so beautiful. She's like, well, your slippers are in the freezer and your, your dessert is in the dog and I'm going to bed with a headache, you know, because lovemaking starts in the morning. That's what God told John Bevere, Right? Worship is not a song, it's a life. It's a life. And you know, when God gave Abraham that word, when was the word worship first used? It was worship, it was used by Abraham. In Genesis 22, when God said, Abraham, go take your son, your only son, the one whom you love. Take him to the mountain, I'm gonna show you and sacrifice him there. And it says, early the next morning, Abraham got up. And he saddled his donkey and he, he got the, put the wood on his son's back and he took the fire and the knife and they head out. Three days and then he sees the mountain where God said, that's the place. And he told his, his, his uh, servants, he said, stay here. My son and I are going to go on the top of that mountain and worship God. They weren't going to sing a slow song, right? And he gets up there and he says, the son says, Father, the wood and the fire, but where's the sacrifice? He said, God will provide himself the lamb. And he binds up his son and he lays him on the altar and he takes the knife and, he, and God says, stop. And he says, don't, don't touch the boy. Now I see that you love me. No, God said, now I see that you fear me. And because you fear me, because you have not withheld your only son, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to cause through your seed to bless all the nations on the earth. Wow. 
That was our forefather. Abraham, he feared God. And you see, that's what worship is. That's what love for God is. It's total surrender to the will of God. It's not my will. It's your will. And your will is my command. And it brings joy to do your will. To walk in the fear of the Lord, to hate evil, to love righteousness. And when the church fears the Lord, in, 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 in Acts, it said the church multiplied. Wow. Wow. Oh, Lord, would you raise the fear of the Lord level in our church? Would you raise it in our own life? How do we get the fear of the Lord? Well, Proverbs 2, 1 to 5, it says, it says an if and then. So it gives you the step-by-step how to, how to receive the fear of the Lord. He says, my son, if you, if you accept, receive my words and store my commands, treasure them up in your heart, turning your ear to wisdom, applying your heart to understanding. If you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, if you look for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. If there are conditions, if, if you receive my words and store up my commands, receiving God's word, yeah, with respect, with an attitude of submission and obedience, receive it as the most valuable element of your life, treasure it. The Hebrew word means to store up something in that secret place because it's the most valuable thing to you. Receive my words and store them up. Turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. When somebody is speaking to you something important, have you noticed you kind of go, you like lean in, you lean in and kind of go lower? And that's that, that heart to say, I'm submissive. I want to hear everything. I humble myself. I, I want it. What is it you've got to say to me? That teachable heart. God, speak to me. Show me. Show me your words. Show me what you command me to do. I want to do it. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. This is a life committed to prayer. Impassioned prayer, right? It's not in public. It's in private. It's that secret history with God. If you seek her as silver and search for it as hidden treasure. You know, God doesn't leave everything out in the open. God doesn't put his jewels on the pavement for just anybody to pick up. He places them where we have to seek them out. And this treasure of the fear of the Lord is something we need to seek out, to cry out for, to pursue, to search for. And then, now, if all the ifs, now, after all the ifs, we come to the then. It's the promise. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and to find the knowledge of God. Wow. I want that, don't you? I want the fear of the Lord. I want his wisdom. I want his knowledge. I want to hate sin the way God hates it. Father, we thank you that you have not left us without power. You've given us your Holy Spirit. You've given us your grace. 
your grace so we can say no to sin and yes to obedience. You've given us the fear of the Lord so we can discern when something is sin and evil and that we can hate it as you hate it. Father, today we want to turn away from what you hate that we love. Whatever is in our heart that we are loving right now, but you hate, would you show us so that we can ask you to forgive us and to ask you to take the love for that sin out of our heart. Thank you, Lord. You want to replace it with the fear of the Lord, with the hatred of evil. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we want to respond today and say, Jesus, we, we want to love righteousness and hate rebellion. Would you take Love for rebellion out of our heart, God. We want to turn away from rebellion today and say we love righteousness. We love obedience. We want to fix our eyes on you, Jesus, and run after you. Your word says, come, my children, and listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many, day, many good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking lies. Lord, we, 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 we want to go into your school. Holy Spirit, we want to go into your school. You said you're going to instruct those who fear you. Lord, would you instruct us? We choose the fear of the Lord. P please bring us in to the school of the fear of the Lord. May we be a church known as a people that fears the Lord. We pray, oh God, in Jesus' name, have your way. Have your way. Amen. I think we challenged right at this moment the church is at a crossroads in our nation and in many nations. And the question is, will we follow God or will we just worship him with our lips? And I think it's just a scary verse, isn't it? That one that says, you know, they worship me with their lips, but their heart's far from me. And, you know, I've expressed this many times in the last several months, is we, we're in a different era now. The world has changed. The, the season's changed. And we are either going to see the biggest revival we've ever seen or Jesus is coming back. Either way, we need to be ready and that means that we need him at the center of our life, not on the periphery. That our faith needs to be um, something that has actions attached to it and not just something that's an accessory. And, and it's a challenge. It's a challenge for all sorts of reasons because the enemy's done a good job. But we save a bigger savior and... Uh, but it's, some of it's going to be uncomfortable, this, that, that journey into Jesus' heart. 
because we can't make a journey into Jesus' heart without saying, we love your heart, Jesus, so we won't, won't like it. And that's the real challenge, isn't it? So we, we're going to finish there. Let's just stand.